The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Children ages four and five can be dismissed, that's all right, uh, to the left hand, or my left, your right, uh, side of the sanctuary this morning, ages four and five. Let me invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open with me to Matthew chapter 9. Uh, Matthew 9, we're going to look, Lord willing, today at verses 35 through 38. And uh, the past two services have been a little different. Um, we're between series. We came out of a summer series, and, and I'm going to start a new series in the book of Ruth next week. Uh, but we wanted to take these two weeks and, and kind of call us back as a congregation uh, to, to cast some vision and bring us to, to the same page together. And you've heard the, the last week and today from our missions teams that have gone out this summer to West Virginia and to New York. And we do that intentionally because we want to celebrate those things. Those are the things that we want to, to celebrate and to, to impress on you that we would like for you also to go. That all of us as believers have been given the Great Commission. And uh, so we're, we're kind of celebrating those and pushing you toward them. Uh, today, we're, uh, last week we, we looked at um, maybe the first, if, if, if you will, for, for the church year coming, for 2018-2019, imagine, if you will, uh, a set of train tracks. And, uh, and there are two rails on this. Last week, we looked at this first rail, and, and that was the, the rail of discipleship. And we talked about uh, our desire to become like Jesus through discipleship that bears one another's burdens so that we can build one another up. And that directly came out of uh, the passage there in Romans. And and we specifically, I laid out for you this three-part strategy of discipleship that covered head, hands, and heart. And let me just go back and and give you just a summary of that and maybe explain a little further some things that are going to change. When we talk about the head, what we're talking about is teaching. We want to teach you the truth of God's Word. And we do that through our morning Bible studies, our Sunday school classes. And um, you've heard over the last couple weeks that there's some changes that are coming. A lot of it is staying the same. There's not a ton that that is changing, but we are consolidating a, a couple of classes, two or three classes, in order to free up some teachers so that we can offer more. Now, our children and our students largely will remain the same with one exception. This will allow us to bring our students from the building down at the bottom of the hill up into this building, which allows us to to keep them more secure. They are safer as we're all in the same building together, so that's going to allow us to bring them up here. Not only the security side of things, but it allows them to fellowship with the rest of the body, that we are all the church. And so that's a a plus that's going to come out of this. Um, We've had for adult classes, several adult classes, of those we have offered three gospel project classes. Uh, We completed today our second term through the gospel project, which is a three-year cycle of walking through the whole story of the Bible uh, of, of creation, fall, rescue, and restoration. And we've done that twice. And we're going to continue to offer the gospel project because the scripture passages will be different Uh, But it's going to be looking at that same story. But we're consolidating those three classes to one. And we're doing this, again, so that we can free up some teachers to be able to offer some other classes. Those other classes that will begin September 9th, two weeks from today, will be a How to Study Your Bible, very practical class 
and you can sign up for that at, at the Connect desk. The other class will be entitled A Reasonable Response. Now, A Reasonable Response, the, the premise there is um, if someone were to ask you, are you a believer, and you were to say, yes, I'm a Christian, and they said to you, why? We want to equip you so that you can respond reasonably and winsomely to that to, to point the other person to the beauty of the gospel. So those are two more classes that we're offering starting September 9th. Um, a lot of the other classes are staying the same. And so uh, what we're going to ask is that everyone would sign up for a class. Even if your class is staying the same, we'd like for you to re-sign up because it's going to allow us to be better stewards when we order a curriculum. It's also going to allow the teachers to prepare and to know exactly kind of who's in their class and how to prepare for you as, you as you come in. So help us with that. Classes start September 9th, and we want everyone to sign up. You can do so today at the Connect desk. You can do it also next week. Um, and so help us to, to sign up there. That's the head portion of the strategy. The hands uh, is really we, we want to equip you. We want to put some things in your hands to be able to flesh out what it means to be a follower of Christ. The strategy is through life groups. And these are small groups that meet in homes where people pray together. It gives you a, a, a small group, a core group, where you can confess sin to one another. You can help bear one another's burdens. And largely, you can discuss the sermons and help flesh those out. Um, I, have, I have your attention for just a little over 30 minutes uh, as I preach each Sunday. I realize that I say things that sometimes hit you in different ways. Sometimes people come to me and say, I, I never knew this. And I'll say, well, you shouldn't know that because that's not what I said, right? And so there can, there's a potential anytime we communicate for misunderstandings or how do I apply this? I'm wrestling with this. And life groups are designed for you to have a group of people to be able to come together, be honest and transparent about those wrestlings, and to help one another move toward Christ. And so those also will begin September 9th again. We have four of those life groups right now. They are all on Sundays. Uh, we are open to starting more life groups, and we will as the need arises and as God provides host homes and, and facilitators. So take advantage of that. You can also sign up for life groups at the Connect Desk as well. The heart side of our strategy is really what we do right here in this room on Sunday mornings. It's this corporate gathering. Because there is no better place where, as a church, we display hearts that have been changed by the gospel than when we gather in this room. Now, separately, we do it all the time. Decisions in our lives, things that we're faced with, we, we display this trust in God. But together, we come and we lift up songs of praise to Him. We read Scripture. We pray together. We listen to sermons we, we go out of this place commissioned and sent, and this is the place where our hearts are expressed that have been changed by the gospel. So head, hands, and heart. Make sense? Okay, I'm not going to ask for questions now because that would be a mess and I would never get to the sermon. Today, if that's the first rail of this track that we're going to run on, the second is, is a little different, and it is the rail of evangelism. As we go forward into 2018 and 2019, one thing I am hoping for us is that we would be better evangelists right here in our own community. 
we want to push you to go to the nations. We want to go to other cities and other parts of the world. But we also know that there are thousands of lost people right here around us that need the gospel. And so one of the things that I am burdened by as your pastor is that while we have had lots of people join the church over the last several years, we have had very little, very few of those come by conversion to the gospel. We've had very few that have come by putting their faith in, in Jesus first time ever and following through in baptism. And that is not an indictment on any one person because it's, it, it indicts me as well. But as a church, we must get better at evangelizing our community. If not, why has God placed us here? He's placed us in the middle of one of the most rapidly growing parts of the Greenville-Spartanburg community. And he's placed us here for the reason that we might be an outpost, a lighthouse to bring people to the gospel. So that's the prayer, is that we would specifically get better at evangelism. And let me just make, a, um, make, make sort of a disclaimer here. I'm not talking about uh, evangelism that smells like selling used cars. I've been around people that, that, that that's how they evangelized. I had a pastor one time, I've shared this before, but the pastor told me that one day I was going to be a good evangelist. I just had to learn how to close the deal. The reality is, we're talking about people, Ephesians 2 says, that are dead in, without Christ. They're, they're spiritually dead. They cannot make a move toward him. And so it is not within my power or yours to close the deal. God must, must first breathe life into people. It is our responsibility not to sell used cars, but to give away the cure to cancer. To give away the, the Powerball lottery. To give away, as I talked to Chris this morning, a money tree that we could plant in our backyards. And I'm not talking about those actually. I'm talking about things that are better than that. That that what we get in the gospel, the hope of the gospel, is the greatest news you could ever possibly receive. And I don't care if you go home today and, and all of a sudden there is a money tree growing in your backyard. What I'm telling you about Jesus Christ dying for, in your place and being raised from the dead so that you might have your sins forgiven and live with him forever is better news than that. And that's what we give away. So I want us to be better evangelists. That's the introduction. Matthew 9. Follow along with me as I read starting in verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So if we're going to be better evangelists, how? How will we do that? I want to show you some things out of this passage this morning. First, if we're going to be like Jesus in evangelism, we must go where they are. You say, who's they? They are the thousands of people that live right around us who have no hope because they're outside of the knowledge of Christ. We must go where they are. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, and so must we. Uh, 
where are these people? I, well, I would submit to you that, that the people that are, um, that are in need of the gospel in the immediate area where we are are in one of three places. And at different times, they're in all of these three places. And the first is they're in neighborhoods. I don't know if you've noticed, but there are neighborhoods that are being built all around where we sit at this moment. And, and I want you to know, I have wrestled with how do we go into, how do we establish a gospel presence in neighborhoods where it is no longer permissible to go in and knock on doors or to solicit or any of those things. It's very hard in a culture where, where people go in, park their car in the garage, put the, put the door down, and come out the next morning in their car, and you never really see one another. You don't talk to one another. So how do we do this? Well, I would submit to you that we're thinking through a lot of this, but maybe there's someone who's a member of this faith family that would consider be moved by, by God to sell your house where you currently are living so that you might be able to buy a house in one of these neighborhoods to be able to establish a gospel witness there. And you say, well, I like my house. I don't want to move. Well, we talked in Sunday school this morning that this world is not all that there is. That we're called to sacrifice to spend our lives for the glory of God. That one day, as we looked at in Revelation 5, I think last week in, in our Sunday school class, was that one day people from every tribe, nation, language, and tongue will be around the throne of God. And will we in that moment say, man, I'm glad I, I kept my house. Man, I had that thing paid off and it was sweet. Or will we in that moment say, oh, I should have been f more free with what I had so that others might be here today. I think the, the second is, is true. I want to show you another way that we are involved in our community, in our neighborhoods, uh, and it's through the Good News Club. And our Good News Club is, is starting in, in, uh, in a week or two. Yeah, I'm looking at Candace. I can't remember the exact date, but it's, it's, it's right around the corner, and we need volunteers. Uh, the school right in our community is growing at an alarming rate. And uh, we keep having more and more kids coming to Good News Club. And we have an opportunity to invest in these kids and these families with the gospel. Watch this video. I'm going to go ahead and, and fade it out at that point because that's a four and a half minute long video and I want you to see the whole thing, but for the sake of time, I, I just get a taste of it. You can see the whole video if you go to the Narthex afterwards today and, and see it on a screen out there and we'll 
probably show that again and again because we want to push you to this. As I'm watching that again, I've seen that three or four times now, and, uh, and that was here at Abner Creek Academy and another school, and I, my, my eyes just went to a little boy named Freddie. And I saw Freddie come in as a kindergartner, and uh, he has gone up through the ranks, and he's gone grade to grade to grade, and he, I've watched him be inquisitive about the gospel. I've, heard, I've seen him listen to the Bible stories and, and watched him come to me with questions and come to, to Matt with questions and others. And there's a lot of Freddies there. There's a lot of kids there that if we're not in that school sharing the gospel witness, they may never hear. And so I would implore you that if you're looking for a way to be an evangelist in our neighborhood, perhaps if you have an afternoon uh, one, one day a week for 10 weeks in the fall, 10 weeks in the spring, you might volunteer for that. You have an opportunity to sign up today outside in the narthex, not at the connect desk, but at the welcome desk. If you can't give an entire afternoon, if you are perhaps man or woman, but if, if you could leave your, your job for a half an hour and come and help us just put kids in cars as they go home, we'd love to have you help there. We need helpers to reach families in our community. A second place that, that uh, the people are is they are not just in neighborhoods, but they're at work. And I would say to you that, that I know there are regulations about what you can and cannot do at your work. You're there to do a job, and I would implore you, do your job well. Don't cheat your, cheat your boss. Don't steal company time. If you don't have integrity in the workplace, you will not have any witness anyway. So be people of integrity there so that your witness will be winsome. But maybe there are relationships in your workplace that you have allowed to simply drift. And you've never steered them toward the gospel. And maybe if you're waiting there for for things to turn to the gospel, you're going to be waiting a long time. Maybe it would be up to you to go into your workplace And to invest in an individual and steer a conversation toward the gospel. They're also at play. They're in neighborhoods, they're at work, they're at play. We have ball fields around us and sporting events. We have restaurants and, and, and workout facilities and shopping malls and shopping all sorts of things. I mean, we live in a very affluent place where people are privileged to be able to play at a lot of different things. I would, I would implore us, and we're going to be looking at ways that we can reach out into our community to take the gospel into places where people play. For instance, Middle Tiger Park over there. You saw on the video in New York City earlier, those people wearing those red vests and that red booth. Now, those are prayer stations where in New York City they just set up a prayer station and people were able to come by and simply ask for prayer. What if, would it work to take a prayer station to Middle Tiger Park? I don't know. Would it work at the fall festival this year to set up a prayer station so that when there are hundreds of people on our campus, we give them more than popcorn and, and, and hot dogs and, and all these things and fun time? We want to do all that. But what if there was a way that we could tangibly and intentionally share the gospel with them? That's what we're talking about. We want to go where people are at play, at work, or at home and be better evangelists. We must go where they are. Second thing, though, is in our passage today, we must not assume the gospel. Here the Bible tells us that not only did Jesus go where they are, but Jesus went about teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. I would say to you that it is no longer 1958 
1988, or even 2008. It is 2018, and our culture is rapidly moving away from the gospel. The Bible Belt is indeed shrinking. There are fewer and fewer people with basic knowledge about the Bible. Many of you grew up in church and you know all sorts of things. But if you were to go out into our community, you would find people uh, that don't know who led the people of Israel out of Egypt. Or that the people of Israel were even in Egypt. You will find people that have no idea who Adam and Eve are, who Joshua was, who King David or Daniel were either. We would go out into our community and bump into people regularly who could not tell, tell us who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver or who denied him three times before the rooster crowed. They don't know Saul, nor do they know Paul. This is the world in which we live. We can no longer assume the gospel. We must use words and be clear, teaching and proclaiming the gospel as revealed in Scripture. If they don't know those central characters, they certainly don't know the central themes of the gospel. For instance, creation, fall, rescue, and restoration. They don't know those, and we can't assume that they do. We can't assume that they would understand a universal need for a Savior. They, they do know hurt. They know good times and they know bad times, but they don't know why there are bad times necessarily. And we cannot assume that they do. We cannot assume that they would appreciate what makes good news good. We must be articulate. Jesus went about teaching and proclaiming, and so must we. The third thing here is that not only must we go where they are, and we must not assume the gospel, but third, we must meet people at their point of physical need. Jesus went about healing every disease and every affliction, 35 says. We've, we've not been gifted with the same power and abilities necessarily that the apostles were. Jesus sent them out and gave them uh, authority over demons and sickness and all that. And we've not necessarily been given those same abilities to be able to command disease and, and demons. If I had the ability to command disease, don't you think I'd be hanging out at the hospital and going up and down every hall? We've not been given those same abilities and powers I think what's more in view here is that we would care about people at their place of hurt. That we would see people for who they are and what they are and what they are going through. I'm not talking here about giving handouts to people who are attempting to abuse a system. What I am talking about is seeing people in their hurt and extending to them help and hope that is tied firmly to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me just give you one passage in Matthew 25, starting in verse 34. Jesus said, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. 
If we're going to evangelize the way that Jesus evangelized, if we're going to be like him, we must go where they are, we must not assume the gospel, and we must meet people at the point of their physical need. Well, what will it require? And this is where I'll close the sermon out today in verses 36 through 38. Don't get your hopes up. It's, I'm not packing it in yet. But uh, what will this require? Three things. We need to see people the way Jesus does. We must see them as Jesus sees them. We cannot see them as numbers to exploit. We cannot see them as, as members to inflate our roles. We must see them the way Jesus sees them. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The words there for harassed and helpless translate into that they were oppressed. They're exhausted. They're wandering around without direction. And Jesus comes out and he sees the people and he says, "What? look at them. They're like sheep without a shepherd. He's speaking specifically there about the, the priests of the Old Testament should have been the ones who were, who were leading them, who were feeding them to God's word. They, they should have led them to see that Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah, that he, that he was the root off of the stump of Jesse's tree, that, that, that they should have led them there and guard them and, and, and shepherded them toward uh, the Messiah, but instead they had abandoned the people through corruption. They'd become power hungry and they had, they had stopped believing that, that a Messiah would come and they began to function for this world and this world alone. As a result, the people were like sheep without a shepherd. Here it tells us that Jesus was moved to compassion when he saw this. The word compassion, we don't have a word in the English language that can truly convey what this word really means. It, 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 pity, those things won't really do it justice. It is a word that means that he was moved in his gut. That he was, he was moved to the point, I believe, of tears. It doesn't tell us here that he wept, but I think, I think here he's moved to the gut. His heart goes out to them when he sees these people. And, and if, he, if he wept over, over, over the children of Israel, how often would I have gathered you like, like a hen gathers its chicks? I think also probably he's weeping at this point. And he says to his disciples here, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed and they're helpless. And I would say to you that if, if we were honest, we would look around today, even in a very affluent place to live, and we would look at people and we would say, they are harassed and helpless. They are like sheep without a shepherd. Because without Jesus, that's exactly right. They, they wander to all these things that promise to deliver peace and hope and joy, and those things will never be able to deliver on any of that. They are like sheep without a shepherd. They'll eventually run out of pasture. They'll wander off in, into a thicket, in, into danger. They'll fall in a hole. They'll eventually die of any number of things that might cause, the, uh, cause them to, to be taken away that the shepherd could have guarded them from. We must see them the way that Jesus did. You say, well, I look around at the people that live where we live, and there's not a whole lot of them that look like sheep without shepherd. In fact, they look like they're thriving. Well, that may be the case. 
But I can assure you that the outside only tells you so much. That without Jesus, they are without hope. And we must see them the way that Jesus does. And this is not some preacher standing in an ivory tower looking out and saying, woe is them. This is me saying we need to take as beggars to other beggars where they can find bread. We must see them the way that Jesus does. And I would simply ask you this question this morning. Do we feel pity for those who are lost and will one day be cut off from Christ? Maybe bring it home even a little more. When was the last time as a Christian you were moved to the point of weeping for the lost that live among us? We must see them how Jesus sees them. Two, it will also require that we get to work. We've got to get to work. Verse 37, Jesus, as he's there and he's having compassion on them, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I would submit to you that the reason that we are not reaching unbelievers is not because we don't know the gospel. I have been in church all my life. I was saved at the age of eight. I grew up in a First Baptist church where my grandfather was a deacon so long they made him a deacon emeritus, which means he's just forever a deacon, right? I, I grew up, my, my grandfather, my mother, they were Sunday school teachers. I grew up going to all the VBSs, all the, uh, everything, youth group, all those things. I have heard the gospel more times than I could ever count. It's not because I don't know the gospel. I know the gospel. And I am confident that you do too. The reason that we don't, we don't, we're not winning people to, to Christ, we're not reaching unbelievers, is not because we don't know the gospel, it's because we don't share the gospel. We don't, we don't, we don't give it away. We have become content and we have equated spirituality with something. If, the more we, can, more we can gain, the more we can grow, the more we can be fed, that we're somehow spiritual. And don't hear me saying that we should not be fed because last week I took the entire service and said, we've got to be fed. But I'm saying that, that that feeding must also result somehow in us then going out and giving it away. If I'm going to, to attempt to learn to, to be a pilot, at some point I've got to get out of the simulator and I've got to fly the plane. I can't stay in the simulator all the time and call myself a pilot I must at some point get behind the controls of an actual plane and take it down the runway and up into the air and bring it back down safely, and then I can say, hey, I'm a pilot. The same way, if we're going to say that we are great commission followers of Christ, we must at some point get out of the simulator and fly the plane. We must get to work. It will not be easy. If we're waiting for conversations to merely drift and migrate to the topic of God, we'll be waiting for a long, long time. We must bring it up. We must use words. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. We cannot expect that our lives will be what points people to to the gospel. Our lives will certainly bolster our witness or they will tear our witness down But our lives will not save anyone. We must bring it up. You say, Pastor, that sounds good and I want to, but it's going to be so awkward. 
I mean, I don't know how to transition. Anybody ever tried to share the gospel and it was just awkward and you were like, you just stumbled through it. I've done it. And I just remember thinking, oh, this is terrible. This is the worst thing ever. You know what's happened before? In my bumbling and stumbling and my awkwardness, I have seen people cross over from death to life. One day, one day, there will be people in heaven that will not, not be there going, you know what, I'm glad I'm here, but man, you were awkward. You should have studied more. You should have prepared. You should have worked on transitions and how to bring the conversation up. No, at that moment, they're not bringing up your awkwardness. At that moment, as they're standing in heaven, when you and that, that individual are around the throne of glory, they will not say, your awkwardness was just horrible. They will say, thank you for putting yourself out there. We must bring it up. We must get to work. Third, not only must we see them as Jesus sees them and, and get to work, we must also depend on the Lord of the harvest. We've got to depend on him. There in verse 38, you would expect for Jesus to say, when he, when he says to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, you would expect Jesus to immediately say, guys, get to work. Go get them. Go bring them in. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus instead, in verse 38, says, therefore... Pray to the Lord of the harvest earnestly that he would send out workers. You say, why? Why would Jesus do that? Why would he just let them go? Because Jesus was pointing out to them that before they get to work, they must realize that it will not be their work that brings in the harvest. Because we are not the lords of the harvest. We cannot be slick enough or fancy enough or crafty enough to be able to, to convince people into the kingdom. He's the Lord of the harvest. It's his harvest to bring in. And he will send out his workers to do it. And so we must therefore pray to the God of the, the Lord of the harvest to send out his workers into, into the harvest. We must see them as he sees them. We must get to work. But before we get to work, we must depend on the Lord of the harvest. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to end in a different way. If you are a guest with us today, um, I don't apologize for what we're going to do. It, it will be awkward for you uh, because you don't really know anyone here, and I, I do apologize for that. I don't want you to feel awkward. But we're going to gather together and pray. I want us to be serious about evangelism. I want us to be serious about taking the gospel to our community around us, and therefore, before we get to work, I want us to pray. And so I want you to, I'm just going to give you some instructions. I want you to gather with six or eight people around you. It can be smaller, it can be bigger, I don't care. But gather with some people around you and, and maybe have one or two or, or more people in that group to just pray, God, would you send out workers into the harvest fields that are around us? Lord, might you move our hearts to become workers? Lord, would you help us to see that the harvest is plentiful would you help us to see that it is harvest time would you help us to see Lord what you might do through us I want you to pray these things I want you to pray that God would send out laborers into the harvest and Ethan will be playing in the background and after a few minutes I'll, I'll close that prayer out and bring us back together and we'll be dismissed after that but right now as Ethan comes I just want you to feel free to get up and move.
and get into groups of six or eight and pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers. As you're praying, let me pray and bring this to the close. Lord, for whatever reason, you have invited us to join you in your work of redeeming a people for yourself. God, you could do this in an instant, or you could not do this at all. But none of us deserve to even be called children of God we've all rebelled and gone our own way but Lord in the goodness of your grace you've extended to us the life and death of your son you raised him from the dead to vindicate him saying he paid it all 
And we can look to that with confidence to know, Lord, that our sin has been forgiven. That one day you will come again and, Lord, you will take us to be where you are. And, Lord, we long for that day. But, God, I know that as sure as I am that that day is coming, Lord, it's not yet. And you've left us here. Not only have you left us here, Lord, you've placed us Lord, to join you in your work. You've given us the cure for the world's greatest disease. Lord, you've given us the source of unending joy and hope. You've given us a fountain of living water that will allow us never to thirst again. So God, I pray that we, Lord, see people as you see them. God, that you would open our eyes to the the harvest fields around us. And God, we pray, Lord, that before we get to work, Lord, would you move in our hearts and would you send out workers into the harvest fields. The harvest is plentiful, but Lord, we know the laborers are few. So Lord, would you send us out. Send us out from this place, Lord, to, to speak of your name allow the spotlight of our lives and our words, Lord, to shine on you. We can do nothing to make you more glorious than you are, but Lord, we can certainly point to you. So God, would you give us fresh commission and fresh words and fresh hearts of compassion. And work through this congregation, Lord, to reach the place where we are people that are around us, God, would you do it for their good and for your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here's what I want to do to end the service. I want you to remember, you can just kind of stay right where you are. If you, if you can get comfortable there, it's fine. Um, I'm not going to take long. Remember to sign up uh, for classes and, and for all those things that I've pointed you to today. Continue this prayer. And I want us to leave today by reciting together the Great Commission. It's going to be on the screens. I want us to all say this together, okay? And, and when we finish the last word, you are free to go. But I want this to be on your heart as you go. Ready? And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and make much of him. This time of teaching is brought to you by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.